Hope. It's 6 a.m. Rise and shine. Let's talk sports and welcome to the grind. And good Monday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, alongside Booner, as we grind it out here on a Monday edition of the Grind. Boone, welcome in. Uh, another another rainy Monday, but hey, you know, it, it's been really nice for a long time, so I'll, I'll take a little bit of rain. Well, you know it's an exchange, right? April flowers, April showers for May flowers. Oh, is that is that what it is? See, I'm, Boone's the horticulturalist in the room. Got got to spin a positive out of it. If you ain't if you ain't seen Boone's uh, Facebook, you should. Either he's taking pictures, he's planting flowers, he's he's doing uh, landscape work. Which I feel like if he if he keeps doing as good as he's doing, he's going to get hired out. And and you think there you'll be? You think the nature boy needs a partner? I could go in with him. Oh, I, I don't think that that was his gig. I, don't <laughs> I think he had three partners, didn't he? Wasn't they called the Four Horsemen? Ric Flair? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, did you have a good weekend? I did. It, it it flew by. I'm just, I regret that I won't be able to go to work today. I know, I know. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm almost to that point. Like, I'm there. Like, I'd rather go to work today. Than stay home. Well, it ain't that it's not rather than stay home. It's rather than than un, the unsure side of of everything else. You, you know what I'm saying? It's it's it, me going back to work would mean a lot of things. Maybe chapters have kind of neared its close. You, you know what I'm saying? I think that's where I'm at. I, no, I've, I've enjoyed. You know, they, we talked yesterday. You know, again, watching church at home like that's that's a thing now watching like it, it's always been a, an option but it's not been really where I'd, I'd taken you know what I'm saying like if I'm if I'm gonna go I'm gonna go but now that's the that's the main feed you know that's the the way we're doing this thing and, and so anyway we were sitting at the dining room table you ever had uh, you ever had bacon and eggs while you were at church I did yesterday like it happened like I got up a touch late and so I went ahead and fixed it and made sure I had it done but we literally we we were eating breakfast as as it was going on. Is that bad? No, nah, it's it's. I feel a, like it's. I was getting fed both ways. It's adapting to the times. Absolutely. My but, my best friends, uh, boyfriends in Florida, and they're sealing down the borders. So, I mean, they'll she did an app on her phone, and they'll watch uh, like an episode of Bosch or something, and then they'll stop and face-to-face, look at each other and discuss it, what they liked, what they didn't like, and go back on. I mean, that's the way it is. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's it's it gives you a dynamic because, you know, it's you don't you don't understand that, that whole freedom thing until some things get snatched, right? And, and so yesterday, I say all that to say this. They were asking what you what you have enjoyed most about being off. Is it is it getting projects done? Is it is it being at home? Is it is it you know time off? What have you? And, and mine mine has really been you know I've seen the through the week 
morning and midday versions of my little boys that I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've seen a whole lot. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you really think about it, your children, you know, once they get school age, like you see them on, on the afternoons, you see them after five o'clock every day through the week, and then you see their weekend versions. But when is the last time you saw the the Tuesday at noon version of your child? And and, and the thing is, is it had been a long time for me because because even even young days when Laura stayed at home with them, I was still working. So I don't know that I ever saw the through the week version. And man, we've done some good things. You know, they've helped me do some projects. We've learned some things. Uh, both my boys can uh, can hit a free throw now. Uh, I've, I've, I saw that. Yeah, I mean we're 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 right there. We're we're making things happen, uh, but but we're making we're making memories that otherwise wouldn't have been had. So I mean there's there's been some ebb and flow, some give and take. You know what I really deal. like about it, Wayne? Though my life is a rush, 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 and just kind of glimpses and and frustrations and little pieces and always having to hurry. And uh, I think the good Lord's allowed us just to not rush 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 through life to just experience what it's like to pause and enjoy and appreciate yeah yeah and and, you know i think you look at it and i I go back to how this whole thing started you know and, and you know there's different opinions on what what how this got out of hand what happened et cetera et cetera but here's here's my take on it Here's my take on it. Uh, it's it's one of those deals where I think um, I think that that doctor early on said it best. He said, you know, if we if we don't overdo it, we'll understand that we overdid it. He said we may never know whether we had overdone it or not. He said, but uh, he said we we're not going to take that chance. We're going to overkill. So maybe some of this stay at home for the extent that it's been has been overkill but you know what um you you gotta <laughs> you you've got to sometimes overdo it to to get this thing stopped and so i like i said there's been some really good come out of it i think i've learned i've, I've met my neighbors more than than i have of course we're staying six feet apart but that's the good thing about my neighborhood nobody's really more than six feet apart <laughs> it's a tight it's a tight neighborhood but you know the kids are doing well they're learning a lot uh, as far as, you know, all the kids are staying at, in the neighborhood. They're not going out with their parents at all. So, you know, it's a little bit of a uh, closed-loop deal so they can still play, but yet, you know, not not have to worry about that, that the infection part of it. So, anyway, uh, it's, been a, it's been a good time, but, man, I'm, uh, I'm ready to get back after it, honestly. Well, the good news, you know, the hot spots, the bars on the graphs, they're going down. They're really getting down there in the nine more days we're talking. Can you believe this? May the 1st. Yeah, I'm, we'll see. We'll wow. See. I, I think it's interesting the way they're unfolding this thing. Like, what's what's they said, like, movie theaters are in, like, phase one. I'm like, why? Like, why would they do that? Like, I mean, Disney Plus is going, no, don't do that. We're charging $20 to watch a new movie. Have you seen that? On Disney Plus, you can. they actually have movies that are supposed to be in the theaters right now. On Disney Plus, and you can watch them for twenty bucks. I'm like, is that not like the best thing ever for the the company, for the the movie company? Because they don't have to pay the theaters, they don't have to pay anything. People are okay with being at their own house. Da da da. 
it may may start something that we'll we'll continue to do a little bit. But but Boone, let's let's jump right into today's topics because we got a pretty good little slate here. We're going to talk about Peyton Manning and 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 Joe Burrow having a conversation about being number one overall. Two Bayou boys. Well, one was a one had a they both had interesting treks after they left. But uh, yeah, yeah, both uh, both roots. Uh, I, well, no, I guess Burrow's an Ohio boy. But he uh, he went through LSU, and then Peyton's a uh, Louisiana boy that uh, that got out of there. Burrow got like four years of the culture in him. They kind of made fun of him, and he – or what's it? No, it was uh, only two, wasn't it? He was an Ohio State guy. Yeah, he, he was on the rush, rush the southern way and get a little bit of it. Well, I, I think whether he was there six months or six years, uh, after he came out on senior night with Burrow spelled in the, in the Cajun – uh, he'll forever be he'll forever be a Louisiana native. You know, it's kind of like Knoxville and Peyton Manning. It just you didn't come from here, but we're gonna claim that you came from here. Uh, but uh, Peyton Manning says number one overall pick Joe Burrow is gonna have his lumps in his rookie season, such as he did in his three and thirteen campaign in nineteen ninety eight. But said Burrow contacted him to really just kind of discuss and, and kind of pick his brain a little bit about what that being number one looks like, what he had in his first season that, that Burrow could maybe take and kind of keep in his back pocket. And uh, I ain't going to lie, that, uh, the, the arrogant side of, of Joe Burrow that I saw in the national championship game, I think, uh, I think I gained a little bit more respect just knowing that he's thinking in those terms and would contact Peyton Manning. You know, because again, you want to talk about the guys who were number one, went to a tough team, and just completely elevated the franchise. I mean, you're looking at Peyton Manning. Yeah, no question about it. I, I like that when I saw it. Uh, I, what two words did you think of when you saw that, as far as relating to Burrow? What do you mean, as far as him contacting Des- Manning? Describing his action for doing that. I don't know, grown, uh, mature, uh, things like that. Yeah, humble and. Uh, like you said, uh, I lost a little bit of respect for him, a couple things he did, but this is character. I love the advice Peyton gave him, though, didn't you? Yeah, that that uh, he would be more than happy for him to break that interception record. Yeah, and Peyton, uh, <laughs> you, I was reading, Peyton even lowered it by two. I wonder if he intentionally did that. I don't, I don't know. He said 26, but it was actually 28. The really interesting part, Wayne, that I liked was uh, his coach, Peyton made notice of it. He said he refused to take me out. And he kept mentioning the fourth quarter. And I'm kind of reading between it, and I thought, yeah, I remember that. Because you're fighting, you're fighting, you got to get it back. What do you do? You throw a pick. You go to the sideline, you come back in, then he'd throw another pick. And the coach is like, hey, you're going to fight your way through this, Peyton. I don't care if you throw ten picks. You're going to really get embarrassed. But I think uh, forcing him in there in the fourth quarter – don't you think it built a lot of his fighting spirit? Well, I just, you know, I just think, you know, he, and and I kind of like to just say what was said uh, because I think that, that paints the pretty picture. He says, you, you know, Joe Burrow went to the Manning Passing Academy before his senior season that they won a national championship. He went to the, the Manning Passing Academy. So there's a little bit of, of, of understanding there of Peyton to Burrow, right? And, and he said, you know, I went three and thirteen my rookie season. This is Peyton talking, and he says, "But then we turned it around to three thirteen and three the following season." He said, "I told Joe, 
if you're the first pick in the draft, you're going to a team that, that's earned the first pick in the draft. There's going to be a lot of holes wherever you go, whether it's offense, defense, what have you. He said there's a reason why the Colts were picking number one in 98, and there's a reason why the Bengals are picking number one right now. He, he, he doesn't want the glitz and glamour of I'm a national champion. And, and again, Peyton didn't have that experience in Knoxville, but but – he doesn't want the glitz and glamour of I'm a national champion. I'm Joe Burrow. I'm Joe Football. I'm a Heisman Trophy winner. Right. To have him so puffed up when when the Bengals draft him that he ruins any kind of relationships and things in that locker room. He He's telling you, this is a train wreck. You're walking into a train wreck. Being number one is great for the money, but it's not great as far as walking into a turnkey. You're, you've, you're going from a Rolls-Royce in Louisiana. I don't know that they have Rolls-Royces in Louisiana, but you're going from whatever a, a, a Cajun dream car is to to an old clunker you go in, in, in Cincinnati. Not that the team's that bad, but it's just there's pieces missing. I mean, he's got he's got A.J. Green, and then I can't – I don't know that I can name you another player. Joe Mixon maybe? Yeah. I think also Peyton was was kind of looking at him and reading him, and uh, he he thought he observed some of that fear of the unknown. And Peyton can read you and give you what he thinks you need. I really respect that about Peyton. But Peyton went ahead and told him. He said, uh, "I lost more games in, in that first year with the Colts than I did my four years at Tennessee and high school." By the way, oh yeah, and. Uh, the Bengals were two, I think it was two wins and 14 losses, we know. They tied the franchise record for uh, fewest wins in a season. And uh, they got outscored like hundred, almost 150 points by their opponents. He's letting Burrell know uh, it's not bigger than you are. You're going to take some, take some lumps and some bruises. Whatever you do, don't quit. And uh, – I like to really four things that he said. Uh, rookie in the NFL is nowhere close to your senior year in college. Joe absolutely tore it up in college. He he just – I mean, every week, you and I were in here talking about him. He just got better and better and a little bit more accurate. And uh, I liked how Peyton told him, man, when you get in there and you see the speed of these defensive backs, it's going to blow your mind because you think, oh, I got the, the fly route. I'm going to throw the bomb here. And the guy's baiting you and picks it off. He also told him, uh, you will not believe how quickly you have to get rid of the ball. And eventually you're going to understand the defenses. And he gave him like a two-year span. He said, you're going to get a lot better the next year or even the year after that. Yeah, I think he just, you know what? And Peyton's just that guy. You, you know, and I keep saying this, and I'll continue to say this because I'm a Peyton guy. You don't see, You don't see them saying, you know, how did you how did you go to the Patriots and 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 how were you so good, Tom? I'm calling you because I want to know. No, nobody calls him. They call Peyton because Peyton went to a, a bad team and made them good. He didn't go to a good team and keep them that way. You know the day I won my most respect for Peyton, they were at the Patriots and I looked at him and I thought, "How are you even standing out there?" It was horrifically cold. And they were loaded on – Patriots were just loaded everywhere possible. And uh, the Colts were out of their element. It was almost one of those deals like when we talk about Jordan in a little while, they would look at teams and uh, tell them the warm-ups if they were just totally intimidated by them. I just remember looking and I thought, I, I just – it's going to be so hard for Peyton to win today. 
But he played his guts out until the final whistle, made it actually really close, but totally out of his element. You know, no, I, no quit any. You know what I like about Peyton? He's not been a coach. I mean, he's got the passing academy, so I guess at some level he's somewhat tu- tutoring uh, young quarterbacks. But you know, I thought it was good that he, you know, he gave him big picture. He said, "Hey, you're the face of this franchise. You're you're going to a team that's pretty bad. Number one, there, going to the worst one. There's going to be some holes. You got to deal with that. Da 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 da." But then there was one tidbit that I thought really hooked in and said, listen, this is how simple it is. It says you get in the NFL and you just got to understand how fast those DBs are. You got to understand how quick you've got to release that football for it to get there. And he said you've got to you know, keep yourself from getting really bad hurt in the first couple of years and you'll be fine. Can you think of one or two that never in their entire career and actually flunked out of the NFL because they just did not have the skills to get rid of it that quick? Well, I think I think yeah, it was twofold. Either they didn't have the 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 knowledge and the the smarts to get rid of it that quick, or when they didn't get rid of it that quick, and that linebacker ate them up about four or five times. They got so scared they started letting it loose real quick. Yeah, Ryan so, leaves Ryan leaves one I thought of, but your your <laughs> brain has to just. Fast forward and go almost like 100 miles per hour faster. Ryan Leaf just didn't like a – he didn't want a microphone in his face after the game. I mean, what, what can you expect? Uh, you you got to take it. That's part of it. Well, he did go to the Chargers. I just feel like – I feel like, you know, there's a few places that you just don't want to go. The Browns, the Bengals, or, or ones that you mentioned right off the jump. But then the Chargers. Aren't the Chargers the one that Eli absolutely refused to go to? Yeah, they drafted him. and then he Ain't going to happen. He just refused to play for him. <laughs> Which I, I still think taints uh, Eli a little bit. I mean, at least with me, it did. Because I don't know, that may have been in backroom, back channels that Peyton didn't want to play for a certain team. But uh, I'm pretty sure Jim Ursay and, you know, all the questionable side of that whole daddy and now Jim, he probably wasn't real excited about going and playing for that franchise because they were on the rocks to begin with. But Peyton just went. Peyton did. And Peyton got it done. So, uh, you know, the other flip of that, some people trudge through life their whole life and they're not able, able to, bam, call that quick, great decision. I think Eli really did some homework and, and just knew. He just knew deep in his heart, if I go there, I'm going to crash. Well, and, and you look at it. I mean, look at the quarterbacks that's came through San Diego, now L.A., and uh, and then they went on to have great careers other places. I mean, look at Drew Brees. I mean, the guy was probably a year away from being out of football and just couldn't get it done. You, you talk about, you, you know, even guys like Dan Fouts, who had a great career there, but what he could have done with some of those teams that had a good defense. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, but Peyton Tudor's Joe Burrow in what it means to be the number one overall pick, what it means to go to a franchise that have some problems, and I think it's just – it's just another it's another accolade to, to kind of throw up there. Peyton isn't interested in Peyton. Peyton's interested in furthering the game. And I think if Joe Burrow's successful, it's furthering the game. Joe Burrow's a great story. I mean, you look at him, an Ohio boy that uh, wanted to go to Ohio State, went to Ohio State, and just found out that there wasn't a spot for him up there. Yeah, he's wouldn't you say he's got a super amount of controversy already that he's kind of overcome? Well, I think so. I, I think anytime you're a grad transfer somewhere, it's kind of a last straw, like you better make it work. And, and then he just he fell on good fortune, stopped at LSU, and year one wasn't great. 
Uh, I mean, I think I think we can cloud the picture with what this year was. We but, didn't even know his name in year one. Well, I mean, well, had I knew, to get some people heard ahead well, of him. Well, and, well, see, I knew his name in year one. Yeah, he he got in there late, but I was just like, that's another Ohio State quarterback that couldn't cut it down in the Southeastern Conference. I'll be honest with you. And then Joe Football showed up year two, and he he had a great offensive coordinator. He he did what he needed to do, but. Joe Burrow's got to got to hit that humble button when he gets to the NFL because the thing is is he's got to relearn another team. He's got to he's got to do what it takes to to win that locker room over, and then they can start building on the football field. But I, I think his biggest from this upcoming Thursday, which is the NFL draft, when more than likely he's going to go one to the Bengals. He's going to go one unless just somebody moves up to take him at one. You know, trades up with the Bengals, but. Uh, he's going to go one, and then it, from that point until probably August, he needs to worry about learning who his receivers are, who his tight ends are, what the offensive line looks like, what what size suit they wear, what they like eating for dinner, because those are things that are going to pay off in the long run. Wonder, uh, wonder if Burrow. Peyton told him the importance of uh, buying those guys really nice gifts, but I would hey, say that was a maybe a not written. But yes, prerequisite. I think so. Rayno, uh, you got to really love a guy. I mean, you want somebody to shoot straight. So who do you go to? The sheriff. Here's the thing: Peyton's not going to be rude. Peyton's not going to be mean. And, and you know, maybe his on-camera versus off-camera commentary is a little different. Uh, but I would, I would trust if you if you want to talk quarterback position, I would trust my life with Peyton Manning, just because I think he he knows it. And and the thing is, is he. He's going to tell you to work hard. He's not going to tell you, "Well, do this and you might draw a penalty. Do this and you might, you know, you might get, uh, you know, get a 15 yarder so you can keep that drive going." He's like, "No, you better read that defensive back, and when he when he breaks on this on this fake, you better feed that ball because that's how it's going to work." And and so Peyton's one that's going to he's going to tell you what it takes for you to be better, but for you to be better for football. What was his uh, word he kept using on the line of scrimmage? As his, Omaha? Omaha. <laughs> Omaha. I wonder if he taught him the necessity to call out Omaha. I thought it was – oh. if you watch Peyton's plays, talking about some of those audibles, it's it's hilarious. He said there's a lot of it that meant nothing, but some of it meant a lot. And I'm like, that's deep. Buddy. That sounds like George Bush that's as deep. president. That's deep, but That's deep. But I just think Peyton would get more votes. But let's take a break. <laughs> But anyway, let's uh, let's get to a break. Listen to these great sponsors. But uh, it's an interesting concept because you, you look at it, Peyton trying to help Joe Burrow. Can Joe Burrow be another another franchise builder? Can he be what a number one is supposed to be? A face of a franchise, a recuperation of of what has been a downtime for the Bengals. They've been down for a long time, uh, basically the entire Marvin Lewis uh, tenure. But can Joe Burrow fix it? Is he the piece that's going to fix it? Did his receivers possibly make him overrated? The dude had some receivers, I'm oh, yeah. telling you. There's a, it's arguable that he'll go to Cincinnati and drop off in talent. But, hey, we'll talk about it another day. But, uh, Boone, let's get to a break. Listen to these great sponsors. We'll be back. We're going to talk a little bit about this MJ last dance. We'll be back. You're listening to The Grind. You don't want to miss it. Hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. 
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. At the Blood Partnership, we're working to keep people safe and informed about the recent outbreak of COVID-19, the coronavirus. We know that as members of the community, businesses are experiencing unexpected challenges, and we're committed to providing as much support as possible. Find business and community information on our website at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work, or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind, not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and, of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Whitlock & Company Certified Public Accountants features accounting services for individuals and businesses. Serving Blount County for over 30 years, everything from income tax preparation services to personalized accounting plans for small businesses and large corporations with over 100 employees for a full range of accounting services, including payroll processing, bookkeeping, individual and business tax returns, compilation, review, and assurance services. It's Whitlock & Company, PC, 375 Fountain View Circle, in Alcoa, Tennessee, 37701. Phone 865-984-1040 or 865-981-9638. Or visit Whitlock & Company online at whitlockcpa.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports.
and welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner as we grind it out here on a Monday edition. Monday, Monday, rainy Monday, but nonetheless going to talk a little sports here. Subject one was football. Let's move a little bit to basketball. Uh, Michael Jordan's Last Dance, little docu-series that ESPN's putting out started last night. Uh, it was supposed to come out, I think, in July, but they, based on everybody being at home and needing some sports, they pushed this thing up. And episodes one and two uh, debuted last night. It's going to be a five-week, two episodes per week, 9 to 11 p.m., which really pushes the envelope for me on time. But but nonetheless, uh, interesting last night, uh, I'd read some kind of precursor articles that talked about, oh, you look at Boone. Has it got different times on some other things? Well, you got the schedule there? Yeah. Uh, April 26, 6, 7, 8, and 9. These are all Sunday dates. May 3rd, 6, 7, 8, 9. May the 10th, 6, 7, 8, 9 o'clock. Of course, PM. They're re-airing uh, the previous two, giving you two new ones. And then the next Sunday, they're re-airing the previous week and giving two, two new more. And Well, that's pretty cool. I watched the last the two last night, so I may rewatch episode two because it's a. You did did you watch you you watched some of the highlights of it? right? Yeah, I saw some uh, clips from it and uh, tried to tried to read up on it. And I'll will t- tell you, it gave me a, a little bit of perspective. Just two episodes in, you know, I guess just put put it out there when when this stuff was going down, I was like ten and eleven, you know, ninety seven, ninety eight. When they were finishing up their run, I was like 10 and 11. So How old I, were you in 91? Four. So they had two three-peats. Yeah. The three-peat and didn't quite do it in another three-peat. Yeah. Yeah, and so when they were finishing this this run up, you know, I was like 10 or 11. So, I, you know, and, and like you said, in their first three-peat, I was, I was four. I wouldn't, the only ball I was thinking about was the one in my yard, not, not the one in anybody else's yard. So, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but anyway, uh, first two episodes, I thought it was interesting that the way they went about exposing this, like the first episode talks a little bit about, and, and if you haven't watched it, I apologize if I'm, if I'm going to spoil it, but the, the events have already happened, Boone. This is just, it's still worth a watch because it shows you how things came to be. I like how they skip around and bring in video. and. Uh, well, I like how they, 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 they're on the season. They're talking about that 97, 98 season, but this happens and he he reacts this way and they go back to why that would be and then he does some more things and this happens and he gets really aggressive and and then they go back to why he was really aggressive you know battling with his brothers and and doing different things and and getting cut in the high school i thought they really quickly got in got that in did that he got cut his sophomore season didn't make the the varsity team that that's that is looked at as one of the fueling moments for MJ. Uh, that that that's what really stuck him up and said, "Listen, we're not going to lose anymore." And and you know, I, I I gained a little bit of respect, and not that I didn't have any before, but about some things the way he carried himself. Like last night, they were talking about the Bulls, and uh, you know when he came up and kind of broke his foot there, his uh, his sophomore season at at uh, with the Bulls, his second year. Um, they basically wanted to go into tank mode. They wanted to lose games. They they were uh, not necessarily interested in uh, you know being middle of the road and having a bad draft pick, and and that floored Michael Jordan. He said, 
you don't want to win every game? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically saying, why are you not coaching to win games? Why are you not playing to win games? Why are you not allowing your best players to play to win games? It just blew his mind. And from that point on, uh, and I'd heard that before, but it kind of validated it, uh, the structure, the the relationship with the front office and, and Michael Jordan early on uh, was fractured. It, it was one of those deals where uh, it, it, it kind of came to a head there in 98 when they got rid of Phil Jackson. But, um, I mean, you just look at it, and, and, and Michael Jordan was, was ahead of his time early on in, in college, what he was able to do at North Carolina. Uh, you, you heard Roy Williams talk about uh, he was the only guy I've ever met that could turn it on and off, but he said Michael never turned it off. He just, you know, talked about uh, – I, I love I love stories about how coaches push on people. Uh, and I know you probably – Yeah, can, what what turns the switch as far as motivation? Yeah, and, and, and you know, Boone, Boone has coaching background, so he's he's a little closer to it than I am. I've always been in the, in the player chair. But, uh, but, Boone, I love that Roy Williams – uh, when when Michael was a freshman, you know he'd come. He's not a he's not a senior in high school. He's he's coming to North Carolina, playing for Dean Smith, the whole deal, and uh, and, and that's when he kept promising he's going to work harder than anybody. Well, here's the thing: he said he was going to be the greatest player to ever come through there, and Roy said, "Well, you better you better work harder than you did in high school." <laughs> and uh, and he said, "What's that supposed to mean?" He said, "Well, I, I just heard you wanted to be the greatest to ever come through here." And he, he's, you know, he's pointing to James Worthy. He's pointing to all these different guys and said, you know, you need to, um, you need to think about that. And he, he said, he looked at me, Roy Williams is talking here. And he said, nobody will ever work harder than me. Yeah. And he said for the next few years that, that was the, the switch. And he said the jump from his freshman to his sophomore year was tremendous. And then he was, he was, you know, arguably for the next three years. The, the, the foot thing, we know, if he comes back too early, he never plays again. He destroys himself. And there was like a 10% chance. Yeah. And, Did, I like the motivational yeah. thing. They said, uh, wait a minute, whoa, 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 time out, Michael. He said, well, let's suppose you have a, a headache and there are 10 tablets in here. <laughs> and uh, if point. you take one of them, it's going to kill you. So you're not going to tell me that you would actually – Look at the 10 and take one, are you? He said, and, according to how bad that headache is. Depends on how bad my headache is. <laughs> he, used, he used some uh, some extra words there. but Colorful. But nonetheless, he said, according to how bad that headache is. But I, you could tell in the interview that that 10 to 90, that whole deal, he said, but there's a 90% chance I'll be fine and we can win this basketball game. There was a there was a competitive edge that he just he just had. And whether that came from – from his brother, his you know his his older brother always kind of being better, and him always having to look up and compete there, or whether it was his dad, the expectations that he had to to gain that approval or what have you, uh, it's it's going to show early uh, that that that's that's something that separates Michael Jordan from the pack. You know, is is that competitive nature, that ability, right? And, and then ultimately just his execution. I mean, you talk about it. He he was uh that I remember that that Celtic series. You know, again, as you as you tar- talking about that goat conversation, you go back and look, and it was funny that they they quickly mentioned that uh, that uh, series with the Celtics, and I think '86, uh, where the Celtics ended up winning the series, but Michael Jordan had two sixty uh, point games in there and was was the game's MVP on the losing team. Uh, in those- there were games when he just totally exploded with the three. Well, you know, when we have somebody in here, one of the first things you say is, is there anything at all that, you know, that we 
do not need to talk about it all. The word on the street was Jordan told uh, this director, you can ask me anything at all about any topic. I promise you I'll tell the truth. And he tears up about his dad dying in uh, 93. And uh, do, do you hear the, the conversation, not to, not to cut it off because I want to get to that, uh, but you hear the conversation about probably one of the biggest uh, shifts in his career, his professional career, about walking into when he got to Chicago and they were on the road, walking into a hotel room where there was drugs, alcohol, women, and he just removed himself from the situation? No. Like, those are moments that make great players great and make dumb players really dumb. And, and I say that because he said, you know, because they talked about, I guess when he went to Chicago, they were known as like the – uh, the white powder choo-choo, they were not, there was a name because the team was, let's just face it, drug-infested. I mean, it was just no no players were named, but there was just a bad identity, right? And uh, and he said, you know, as a, as a rookie, he said, I was, you know, just wanting to get some camaraderie, get some things going. And he said, I, I, I went down the hotel rooms knocking doors, and he said, all of a sudden I heard, shh, 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 somebody's at the door. And Jordan's like, uh oh, <laughs> you know he didn't know what he was gonna walk in on, and he said, "Who is it?" And Jordan said, "MJ." And he said, "Oh, it's just a rookie. Let him in." Said he goes in, and he said, "There's, there's this drug on this wall. There's this drug on this wall. There's women. There's everything. Every vice that would destroy him." And here's what makes th- that elevates people. That that thought process that says, "If this thing gets busted right now, I'm just as guilty as everybody else." And he got out. Now is that the truth? Is that the is that the game? You know, was there nights where he he blew off some steam or whatever? I don't know. I'm reading the documentary just like anybody else. But what I'm saying is is just that thought process, just that forethought and that discussion that hey, if I want to be what I think I can be, I can't be here. Yeah. And and to remove himself and then I think that set a little bit of a standard once he started leading this team because they talked about it a couple games into his career. They knew. They said a couple months in, and everybody went, this is a guy you need to hook your, 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 your coattails to because he's going somewhere. And the team started morphing out. They started trading guys. They started moving pieces in, getting him, getting him help. And then ultimately in, in, what was it, the 86 or 87 draft, they get Scottie Pippen, and, and the rest is history. Uh, this is so interesting. I mean, it's, it's going to be so good. I thought, uh, I thought it was interesting, the, the episode two about Scottie Pippen, uh, just the almost the disrespect that I never knew was going on. The broken foot surgery no, no, with him. No, too? the the don't pay Scottie Pippen. That that I don't know. Did you know that he was? You know, I mean, I think it was pretty widespread knowledge. I mean, I wasn't the 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 ESPN you know watcher. I wasn't the whatever. I watched the games. I saw the good, and then I, I went it's, back to playing. It's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers deal. Jordan got so much money that there wasn't a, enough deservably high, well-paid money to go to Pippen. I knew from the get-go Pippen was so good. Well, and he, he did not get enough. Eventually, he just took it personal. And he uh, waited until the season. He waited till right before the season to have that major foot surgery. Mm. And then he had to spend the season. Jordan got really ticked off. He deliberately did that because they were just blowing him off on the money. He thought, well, two can play this game. Well, the episode two, and, and kind of translate to that, episode two talks about Scottie Pippen and, and really, you know, the Batman and Robin scenario that, that kind of he and Jordan had. And, and honestly, 
you look at it and and it went on and said, you know, that that Pippen was second in scoring on the team, second in assists, second in this, and then he was like or second in rebounds, second in something else, and then he was first in steals and first in another category, but then it said sixth highest paid bull, which is you're like he doesn't even get starter money. So and, and there was discussion about like he took a, a contract that he probably could have made five, six, seven times that much, but but Pippen came from a different different mindset. He came from Central Arkansas. He came from a poor family, a family that had I want to say didn't he have uh, eleven brothers and sisters or something? They had like twelve kids. Quite a few. And and really so, struggled. So he was really he was interested in getting his family taken care of. He right. could, he he felt like at that rate that one the Bulls were going to come back and and later on the the proof was going to be in the pudding and he was going to get. Uh, a restructured deal or whatever, but the Bulls weren't that franchise. It was basically once you sign this deal, don't come talk to me until the the deal's done. And so, and, and I can I can respect that somewhat. But a lot, a lot of people don't really remember the, the I mean the teams were so different every year. And uh, finally, Jordan just kept telling them, we get we got to add more players. Well, Phil Jackson convinced Jordan and Jordan everybody else, but Bill Cartwright was a a tall veteran who kind of kept them out of trouble. They had that point guard, John Paxton. Well, see, they, they traded. That was a big conversation piece in, 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 in how that team transformed, how they traded Charles Oakley uh, to get to – get, uh, who was that first one you said? Cartwright. Cartwright. They traded that, and, and Charles Oakley and MJ was like – they were tight because he was like the protector of Michael Jordan. Yeah, Oakley went probably to that New York team. But, yeah. Uh, and Tony Kukoc, they get him in there later on. And uh, Will Purdue came in there, big, tall, seven-footer from Vanderbilt. But the dynamics changed, and as you watch this, so you remember, you remember Luke Longley? Yeah. Oh, Luke. L-U-C, Luke. Yeah. The big, tall. Uh, but there was always two or three veterans who just really convinced everybody the importance of just working their tail off, not getting in trouble. The documentary does a super job every episode of just showing how very difficult – it mixes in kind of a, a soap opera, if you will. There's so many, you know, the real so many sidebars to the the plot there. But you know, the one thing I really uh, respected about Jordan, I know you're a big LeBron fan. I understand that. I'm a big MJ fan. I just I just wish people would understand that they can they can both be in the same conversation. Here's what I really uh, respected about Jordan. He didn't like grab the limelight and hang on to it for seven seconds. He took he took care of business. Phil Jackson said, look, I'm putting you in charge of the yellow-haired wonder. Dennis Rodman, (laughs) you have never seen a – I mean, every game, most rebounds. Total, total, total hustle. But just – he would get in a fist fight three minutes into the game, and they could not afford to get him thrown out. Did you call him the yellow-haired wonder? Yeah, he always dyed his hair. Uh, well, I mean, yellow was just one of the colors that I've, I've saw him in. Oh, purple. and You remember when he did the leopard print in the NBA Finals? Oh, my gosh. I felt like that was like next level. That was good. But, well, you know, Jordan would only spend just a few seconds. And Rodman was like this obedient little child that just wanted to impress. Michael, Michael wouldn't grab it and then hang on to the glory and go on and on and on. Uh, I just really respected that. He would, like, say it quickly and then go about his business. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know how that, that had anything to do with me being a LeBron fan, but I appreciate it. Uh, LeBron takes LeBron grabs that uh, limelight and he holds on to it and holds on to it a little bit longer than Michael. 
Really? But I'm old school. Well, that's just one thing I noticed. He also builds schools. Uh, LeBron and, and really needs away. to stroke that ego. Well, and, uh, it's according to which circle you're talking in, because LeBron, LeBron has he also has the most assist uh, in in any year on his team too. So stroking an ego, if that's passing the ball, uh, then then yeah, he's doing it. Oh, so, he's he's a great one, but I the first one to do it is the one I really respect. Jordan first, then. Uh, I'm just saying, MJ didn't have to Kobe deal with social. And then LeBron. Really? You'd put Kobe ahead of LeBron? Well, I mean, uh, I just don't no, know I that went, I can validate I your opinion. I went chronological-wise. Oh, I was going to say, if you do that, I don't know that I can validate your basketball No, opinion. no, no. I mean, anyway, I, I mean, I'll do respect Kobe, to Kobe. Kobe's already retired, right? Kobe's LeBron's already, still playing. Right. Well, they're both – anyway, we're going to have a little spat right here on the radio because <laughs> here's the deal – Michael Jordan didn't have to deal with social media too. He didn't have to deal with those armchair fans thinking what they're thinking, because he if he goes out there, he's the best. He from baseline to baseline, he's the best player on the floor any time he steps on it. Period. Who? LeBron. LeBron and, and the limelight. If you know, what's sad is we don't get to see him play one on one at the height of their career. I'll just go out and say that, and anybody can call in, 865-983-4310. They don't want that. They don't want that. Because barring – if you play half court, if they play half court, they don't want that. Now, if they play full court, I think Michael Jordan could outrun them and probably outshoot him. But you want to talk about bodying up and driving to the hole, they don't want that. Well, he might get some favoritism <laughs> think, by the uh, referees. Here, LeBron's I, allowed to bump and elbow. I mean, I think LeBron. They're would, not going to foul him out. We're going to take a break. Listen, to these fine sponsors, but I, I would say LeBron would play a game where they could call their own fouls. I think it could happen. I think he would win. But anyway, it's a, that's the good thing about today's show is it's opinion based. And Boone, obviously, did LeBron has, win six out of eight years? Huh? Did LeBron win uh, six championships in eight years? Did LeBron have Scottie Pippen? No. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you you want to talk about – here's the thing. He didn't have Phil Jackson. He didn't have Scottie Pippen. He didn't have Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, all-time great rebounder. Scottie Pippen, probably best second player on a team ever in the history of the NBA. And Phil Jackson in the Hall of Fame. You know coach. the difference. When that triangle offense came in there, that's what started winning it for him. Name, name the best coach LeBron's ever had. And then we got to get off this topic. This oh, wasn't even where this was going to go. Uh you tell me. Eric Spolstra. That's not good. Ten years before he was the head coach of the Miami Heat, he was the ball boy. That's not good. Yeah, that tells you. Anyway, it's not where you where you get to, it's where you start from. And that's where LeBron, uh, again, has my, has my respect. But we're going to take a break, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, start, bench, cut. If it's anything as hot as that topic was right there, we're going to have a good finish to the show we'll talk it all on the flip you're listening to the grind 100.9 fm 8:50 a.m and streaming at wkvl.com we'll be right back
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Rural King is honored to continue serving our communities by providing essential products for our farms, families, and homes. You can buy online at RuralKing.com and pick it up at the store. And we're taking extra steps to provide a safer shopping experience for you and our associates. Rural King is open every day from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. with the first hour reserved for our most at-risk customers. Please remember to practice social distancing. Rural King, America's farm and home store. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Your local Blount County Community Food Connection is still open serving local families in time of need and hardship. We provide prepackaged groceries to help meet your nutritional and dietary needs. The Community Food Connection is open Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday from 10 a.m. until noon for drive-up delivery only. Residents are asked to remain in their vehicle so that our volunteers may safely distribute the food. Directions as to how to enter and depart the facility will be clearly displayed. We thank you for your cooperation and look forward to serving you at your Blunt County Community Food Connection. This is Wayne Kaiser, host of Rocky Top Sports, sports radio show, The Grind. If you're looking for a way to catch The Grind not in its normal programming, if you can't make that six to seven hour, check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. It's the hub for everything The Grind. We've got Twitter feed, Facebook feed, and of course, SoundCloud. If you miss a show, you don't have to miss it forever. Check it out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Booner as we grind it out here on a Monday edition. Uh, Boone, we jump to start bench cut as as we do most days now. And and really, I got a pretty pretty decent slate here uh, on, uh, on start bench cut. We've got about 10 minutes, so I'm probably going to cut a few of these out. But I want to stick with the sports ones. Start, start bench cut. I'll be quicker this time around. NFL running backs. Old school Ooh. NFL running backs. O.J. Simpson, Earl Campbell, and Jim Brown. Start one, bench one, cut one. Beano Cook said O.J. Simpson was the best running back he had ever seen in, in the history of college football. O.J., I mean, he got it. He was real good early. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna just go with my heart. Earl Campbell won my heart. Monday Night Football, Ramblin', Tyler Rose. I'm gonna man. Jim Brown, I'm going to start. I'm going to bench Earl Campbell, and I'm going to cut OJ. Oh, the the irony there! You're going to cut the juice, cut the juice. Well, I, I can't I can't argue with you. That's that's kind of where I sit. Uh, you know, I wanted I thought about putting OJ in, in the bench spot because he was in Buffalo. Uh, but but at the same rate, first two thousand yard season. Yeah, and, and 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 there's something to be said about that, but I I think the greatness has to expand beyond. It's your whole body of work. It's what you do, and and I think you had some good broadcasting years, uh, but there's always going to be that big asterisk. There's going to be the the scandal with the the memorabilia. It's always going to hold itself over. But now, when you talk about great players, uh, Jim Brown did it when when you you couldn't do it. You know, he he made his way when there wasn't a way. Uh, so you got to start him. Uh, Earl Campbell has the uh, the Oilers slash Titans fix. You know, I think that kind of puts him in that. And then OJ, the juice, uh, was a tough cut, but that's I think he I think he did the right thing. Um, number two, and this one's probably a little pop culture even for me. Uh, American Idol, The Voice, or America's Got Talent? I'm not a big fan of Simon. I'm not a big fan of Howie Mandel. Oh, good. So I know where the cut's going. I'm going to cut. Now, these guys switched. Uh, they're showing up on America's Got Talent. I'm cutting America's Got Talent. I love Adam Levine. With, oh, wow. You're with gonna the start, voice. You going to start the voice? Uh, anybody that says, I want that red velvet, I want that sugar sweet, don't let nobody touch it unless that somebody is me. Dude can do some lyrics. His video is driving all across L.A. hitting every wedding and singing songs. I am going to bench American Idol. I'm going to start The Voice. I'm going to cut America's Got Talent. I've had enough of uh, Simon. It's really all, it's, is, that all, is that all you got? Yep. All you got? Uh, I'm, I'm going to start American Idol. I just feel like the, the versatility that they've got right now is, is probably unmatched when you talk about they've got Lionel Richie, you know, a little dancing on the ceilings. Luke Bryan. Uh, Luke Bryan. Little Luke. You ever heard him talk? He talks just like that. That's how he talks. And then you've got Katy Perry, which I ain't going to lie. I didn't really have a real good feeling about Katy Perry before she got on this show. Honestly, it has done more for her with me than anybody else because I kind of like Luke Bryan. I thought he was a little fake, but I, I kind of liked his music. Um, Katy Perry. I, I just thought she was kind of dumb. I just thought she was just really come on. Why is your hair purple? You know, come on. And then, but she's really, you know, she's got a good personality. And then I swear, uh, Lionel Richie may be timeless. Like he just looks the same as he did. You know, he gives years. really good advice too. Well, he, he, he tells them, uh, "Hey, Luke Bryan uh, had two siblings. Uh, he's raising children of two siblings where both parents were lost. You got to give him an A on that." Oh no, he's a heck of a person. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a heck of a dude. No, that's that's and all that stuff happened while he was coming up. So I mean, the, before the fact, he made it big, right? And so I'm going to start American Idol. I'm going to I'm going to bench the Voice, and I'm going to cut America's Got Talent. Not that I don't think America's Got Talent has talent, uh, but I'm kind of the same way. Howie Mandel just he kind of weirds me out. Like his best show was that one where they opened the briefcases. 
Like I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, they dropped like, the yeah that the thing that yeah that was the thing and that ricocheted. Uh, and, that was the show I thought he had a good deal with. But the the voice, you know, you got Blake Shelton. You know, I think uh, th- that kind of fits more uh, my bench spot. But let's jump on out. Let's get back into football. Let's, we talked about NFL great running backs. Let's talk about Tennessee local running backs. These three guys, I don't know if you put this together, all three of these guys are Tennessee boys. Tennessee running backs, Little Man Stewart, Reggie Cobb, rest in peace, and Troy Fleming. Reggie Cobb, amazing. So much potential. Little Man, way up there. Actually met him and had a miniature uh, Tennessee helmet signed by Little Man. Uh, little man, you had a little helmet signed by little man. Yeah, That's funny. Morristown guy. I'm going to start Reggie Cobb. I'm going to bench little man and uh, Troy. Man, he had some big plays, some 60 yard runs. But uh, I'm going to have to cut Troy. Yeah, I I went a little different. Uh, just to be quite honest with you, I started a little man. Uh, I, I like I like what he did. I like what he did in the pros. You know, he went to the the Jaguars, played 10 years, and got out. Like had the forethought to just say, you know what, <laughs> this ain't worth beating me myself up. Let's let's do this and get on out. So I'm gonna go with Little Man Stewart, Little Morristown Flair, uh, Reggie Cobb gonna be on the bench, and then Troy Fleming the cut too. Again, it, it's tough to be in those those quarters. Honestly, I pulled him up because he was in. He was the Franklin kid, and and he was the guy that I was excited uh, when when he played. Man, he was another one of those get in the end zone, hand the football to the referee, and get back to the huddle. I liked what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, we got about three minutes. We're gonna we're gonna do cut the. Uh, I'm actually gonna do a little cut on my on my start bench cut. We're gonna cut the next topic. We're gonna talk about juice. Let's talk about a little bit of the juice guys or guys that are associated with the steroid era in baseball. Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, or Barry Bonds start bench cut. And I know, like any baseball purist, is sitting there like going, "Ooh, why are we even talking about?" I him? don't like Mark McGuire. His his head grew, his body grew, his eyes grew. He hit home runs that were line shots. They would dip down to about five feet and rise up to about twenty, juice to the max. Yeah. Barry Bonds just changed his entire body and uh, kept staying in there trying to beat Henry Aaron. I'm going to start Jose. That's going to blow your mind. He came out earlier. He, he just admitted doing it, and he didn't stay in there and lie to the world and inflated every statistic and category out there. I'm going to bench uh, McGuire. I'm cutting Barry Bonds because he did it so long and uh, lied to everybody so long about not doing it. Cutting Barry. Cutting the home run. I'm a guy. Henry Aaron man. Henry. Hammer and Hank. Or... Bad or news. the Sultan of SWAT, or the bad news. What was it? Bad, bad news, Henry, or whatever. Uh, the opposing pitchers called him Bad Henry. Bad Henry, <laughs> love that. I tell you, I'm a- the Hammer and Hammer and Hank and Bad Henry. Here's how I'm gonna do it. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna start Barry Bonds. Oh my God! I'm starting Barry Bonds because he could just flat put it in the water. And and here's the thing, like I. I'm not saying that he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying even put him on the ballot. You know, I, I'm I'm putting all of that down. But I'm saying he could put it in the water. And and at a at, at a fan's perspective, I like seeing him splash. So I'm putting Barry Bonds at, at the start position. I will go with Jose Canseco on the bench because of the same thing. He said, you know what? I juiced. I got better. 
and I got better, and I did it in the in the Oakland Athletics organization. So I think that speaks for a lot of things. And then I'm gonna cut Mark McGuire because yeah, it was uh, it was one of those deals. Even in that year, I was a uh, I was a Sammy Sosa kind of kind of fan in that time. So either way, hey, I was gonna go with Glory Road on the movies. Loved it. Really? Yeah. Unbelievable. I was probably going to go with O'Hackman. Go with uh, Hoosiers. Hoosiers. But uh, we'll talk that on Wednesday, Start Bench Cup. But you're listening to The Grind if you're on your way to work or on your way home. Take care. Be safe. And, yes, grind on.